You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Welcome to the World Football Programme 2024. I'm going to say that wrong lots until it just becomes an automated thing. Yep. As you do it the It's like when you write it down and you write the three and you've got to yeah. put the four over the top for the next two months. And it's a legal document. You think, oh, I've got to start all over again. <laughs> it happens. It's not just me. You try getting married and then having to change your name and your signature. That is I, a killer. I, don't, I think I'm safe on that. Front, <laughs> so. Morning, everyone. We've got myself, Penelope Hoth, Penny. Pete Skeeler and Robbie Gasper in the studio. Good morning, Pete. Morning and, and Happy New Year. Absolutely. And Robbie, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Happy New Year, Pen. Happy, happy New Year to all the listeners as well. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Welcome back. Welcome, new listeners. Welcome, everyone, to the Facebook page, the World Football Group Facebook page. Appreciate everyone landing on that and sharing their news and comments. A lot of regulars now, which is fantastic. Um, in fact, Peter Wright must be our top contributor, I, I reckon. He is, Good on yeah. you, Wrighty. He's the guy with the Yakuba hat down at Macedonia Park watching all the Perth Glory games and handing out the match sheets, which we don't get from any of the A-League or Perth Glory um, organisers. I can't remember the last time we ever got a match program. So uh, Pete, Probably, probably since job. it all went electronic, you don't need to print things out, unfortunately, anymore. I'll t- tell you what, though, if you ask Wrighty, though, I reckon that most of those sheets that he hands out will be taken. Yep, yep. And there's about, on average, uh, eleven to 1,500 that attend Macedonia Park and he definitely doesn't print out that many and they all go. <laughs> so good job, Roddy. Thank you very much to our partners joining us again this year, Futsal WA. Greg Farrell is a staunch supporter of everything football. He's also the coach at Subiaco in the women's NPL there. Superliga is the competition that is always being talked about when we have a chat on air, plus everything that's happening. Futsal, I believe that they've just left this week to go to the Sydney Championships, so I'm sure we'll catch up with Greg soon and have a chat about that. And Gate and Fence, Hardware WA, Gate Automation Providers, Digital Lock Specialists and Gate Servicing. And, of course, we're going to throw in aleaguestats.com because Pete does an amazing amount of work. He's the man behind aleaguestats.com. Just nerding it up. Yep. 
And uh, you might hear the odd Robbie Thompson or some kind of professional commentator that says, <laughs> I use aleagstats.com. <laughs> Always a little boost when I hear that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very cool. So you're listening to 107.9 FM until 12 today. The team this year is the usual crew. So myself, Penny, Pete, Hugh and Sean hosting in some kind of fashion throughout the year up until somewhere around Christmas time. And then we've got a stack of studio guests that come in, like young Robbie here, Dave Kindness, Louis Prospero, Jim Webb. Jim Webb, yeah. And there'll be more. So we can have three people in the studio each week and have a lot of conversation. Brings a lot of different football charm and character to the conversation. I like that. It's very good. You can catch us streaming live on Radio Fremantle's site or the podcast on the World Football Program site our guests today are Kalichi Osunwa, Blaine Treadgold, Caitlin Smith and Simon Hill. More on those as we get further into mm. the show. So before we go to break, guys, it's been only a couple of weeks since we are on air, actually. It um, seems like it was just yesterday, I've got to admit. <laughs> Everything is going crazy in this COVID space. It's just one big busy period, I think, since COVID landed. I, roads are busier, people are busier. Oh, during peak COVID, roads were nice and empty. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a sweet time. spot there. Yeah, 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 I must admit that is true. So, Pete, news for this week. What's tickled your fancy? What's happening out, out there in WA land or global football? Well, land? as we were discussing off air, the, um, the APL and their amazing, amazing stuff up where they got the work experience kid to write the league rules this, <laughs> for, for this season. And it wasn't until... They posted the the end of year table and said, "Yay, Melbourne victory are on top, and Wellington a second. Uh, and, <laughs> so someone and someone went, "Well, hang that. on a sec. According to your rules, they're tied on points, and instead of going by goal difference, you go by number of wins. So Wellington should be on top." <laughs> and kind of literally everyone on Facebook on the internet went, "That's not how you run a table." And then they checked the league rules, went, "That's how they've written it up." So um, I've just been kind of dumbfounded by that. Did they forget to communicate it also to the clubs and the fans? I, I assume they probably send out a document to the clubs and I imagine the clubs go, yeah, it's a league table. We know how that works. I'm, I'm guessing there, yep. maybe. But, um, yeah, so I, I know it sounds like just like a bit of an obscure nerdy thing, but obviously it can come into play with regards to making the finals or even you know finishing top of the ladder. You can, you can imagine if, if two teams are tied on points at the top of the table, the team that has a worse goal difference has more wins. Uh, they'll win the lat- win the league. Uh, there will be questions asked, but also positioning when you're looking at home finals and so yeah, forth. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's it'll it's make a, it can make a huge difference. So I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't come into play. Just to keep things simple. Um, certainly on maybe my website. Maybe it's web- all been sorted already, Pete. Well, they can't change the rules now. That's locked in for this season. No, that's true. Yeah, so I mean, I've, I've had to change my that. website. I had to oh, literally calculate the ladder in a different. Oh, yeah, and sort. You know, <laughs> any SQL gurus out there? There's an extra sort by clause in there to go by number of wins before goal difference. Um, sorry, everyone totally looked at me blankly your, there. All totally Does within your capability. Anybody else do that around the world? Like, sorry, do that, anyone else go by wins? Not as far as I know. I do know a few places go by uh, head-to-head when teams are tied ahead of goal difference. In fact, I think that's even how they do it for some of the international tournaments. Um, So, you know, if in a group of four, if two teams are tied on points, they go by their head-to-head before goal difference. Um, And I have a feeling the Italian league goes by head-to-head as well, but they may have changed it since I heard that. Do you know, I just assume that right around the world that FIFA kind of set 
the rules for that and everyone just followed? I just made an assumption that it was all the same. Well, I mean, it used to be two points for a win um, back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, two points for a win, and then they changed it to three, presumably to encourage more attacking football. But different leagues have had different rules at times. I do know for an obscure, st- for an obscure fact the Polish league in the 80s was two points for a win, three points if you won by three goals or more. Wow. So that was a, that was an even a weirder one because you couldn't even just look at the wins and losses and draws and calculate the points. You know, you had to actually know the results. Um, which I'm I'm kind of glad they don't do that anymore. But so it's, I'm thinking of far-reaching effects, like when they have like a club championship or um, some kind of you know international tournament. They would have to all be on the same like you know, wavelength of how they're gonna. Well, yeah, when you get then to an international tour, like a a Champions League or something, then that's set by, you know, the the continental body, whether it's the AFC or, or UEFA or whoever's running the Champions League. Uh, but it conceivably would be possible that, you know, some obscure league in, in, let's say, Europe, let's say Belarus, for example, still does two points for a win, but whoever wins goes into the Champions League and then they're playing three points for a win in the Champions League because it's a different competition run by a different body. And Robbie, what yep. about yourself? <laughs> I've been sort of keeping abreast of sort of the Asia Cup starting. Uh, yep. yeah. Be nice and close oh, into yep. that microphone, So I'm just sort of been man. keeping sort of, you know, like tabs on with the Asia Cup. You know, starting, started last night with Qatar winning 3-0 against Lebanon and um, with Australia playing India tonight. So yep. um, looking forward to that. And I've got a bit of soft spot for Indonesia and they're actually back into the tournament for the first time in 17 years, since mm. 2007. So um, looking forward to seeing how they're going to do. Yes. Yeah, India is kind of a... We know that they're a nation of many people. Cricket is, I think, their number one sport, oh, yeah. yep. loved by zillions of people. Uh, even, you know, when Indian people come here, it's just uh, their number one sport, which is amazing. Um, but it just doesn't have that global branding that um, you find in other countries. It's just waiting to explode, I think. It, it Football in India does have a big following. It's nowhere near the size of cricket, so I'm not, not saying that. But I do know the Kolkata Derby, for example, uh, pulls 120,000 to a game. So, wow. Yeah, massive. So. Football West have this massive trophy. When they had a breakfast before the Sam Kerr Football Centre opened when it wasn't built, a year, 18 months ago, something like that, two years maybe, and they got all these trophies out and they put them on the tables and there was dignitaries and guests there. And they had this massive trophy, a Calcutta trophy yeah. there. I remember it. Because they were travelled back in the 70s or the 80s to play games. correct. Yeah. Um, also, a uh, fact, Ryan Williams looks like he's going to get Indian... Uh, an Indian passport, so he might be playing for India in the oh. next, uh, say, wow. six to 12 months. So, um, Ryan Williams of uh, Audrey Williams, Eric Williams That's family. correct, yeah. yeah. So he's been playing there um, in Bengaluru um, in the Indian Super League, I think Crazy. it is. Crazy. And so, um, yeah, he's looking to get sort of Indian uh, a passport to be able to play for India. And, so, um, and India used to actually be a bit of a power hitter in, in football. Like in the 50s at the Melbourne Olympics, they were they were semi-finalists and they'd even qualified for 1950 World Cup uh, depending who you believe they either didn't have the money to go or they refused to go because FIFA wouldn't let them play barefoot there's two versions of the story <laughs> this is some story I want to explore not right at this moment we are going to go to a break and come back and have a chat with Kalichio Sunwa this is Penn, Robbie and Pete in the studio on the World Football Programme back shortly 107.9 FM Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. 
with continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Everybody has goals. Whether it's learning a new skill or passing on knowledge, making new friends, is it finding a career path or reaching your full potential? Chase your goals. See where football can take you. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM Radio Fremantle. Myself, Penny, Pete and Robbie in the studio. And our guest online is Kalichi Osunwa, but he goes by another name on social media if you're trying to track and stalk him. Why is that, Kel? Oh, it's my middle name. Um, yeah, so I, I just had it as, as my middle name. I never really had it as my last name because I didn't want people trying to stalk and find me, Pete. <laughs> but, you've, but, you've, now, but now I'm going to have to get it changed up, aren't I? Oh, Pen, you've made me found, sound like a complete psycho. Um, no, look, I, look I, I, I googled Kalichi Osanwa and there's a Wikipedia page for... That for particular us, uh, person. Yeah, a Nigerian player who spent most of his time in Sudan um, and yeah. 39 years old. So I just said to Ben, is that the same guy? And she assured me, that's not you. That is, that is not me, but he's, uh, he's done a good job deflecting a lot of attention from me, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Welcome to 2024. Kel, how's your football year going so far? Uh, 2024 has been it's been good. I think 2023 was terrific. It ended very very well, of course, with the um, African Nations Cup finishing off. But then 2024 has been good, and I, I, honestly, it's been great because I've done nothing. So we've just been sitting down and kind of seeing the tea leaves and seeing the people change clubs and move around and trying to gear up for the night series, which is about to start soon. So taking a, a much earned much on break because as you know as soon as that first game starts we'll be doing it from February all the way to October and that takes a lot out of you sometimes you know. Absolutely it does in fact I don't feel like we've had a break over the past two weeks it's been amazing because (laughs) I know not only my club but a lot of other clubs out there are in the night series and that means Mm. that they've gone through the trials process through September, October, November, sometimes December. Then it was Christmas and maybe a week of downtime because Christmas to New Year is family time and then straight back into it again with, you know, can't lose your fitness, got to get out there, capture all the players, make sure the ones that have said yes to the trials are actually going to turn up, um, sign up contracts, get their blood and off you go. Yeah, it's been it's been absolutely wild. I remember speaking to a couple of people and literally like I think the season finished for them in October and in the first week of November they were doing trials and I was going, Sorry, you're trialing straight like there is no there is no real off season. It's like, nope, we're doing trials now and then start pre season 
end of November. So a lot of those clubs have been going and going and going. And um, the the interesting thing is some of them haven't said anything. They've just kept their mouth absolutely quiet. Like I went on to the Western Knights. I've been tracking them. Obviously, they've been promoted to the NPL and not a single word about who they've signed or anything like that. So that's that's going to be so cool when, when Night Series turns up and you're looking at the players and being like, oh, this person's gone there. Kel, this is Robbie Higg. Great to have you on the show, mate. Good to have you. Good to be good to be here with you, Robbie. How are you? Good, mate. Um, Western Knights have signed Christian Santich. So did you? Yes, that, I heard. That's a big I did. I did. But yeah, I heard. But I did it. I did it. Obviously, you know, you you hear so much that's coming out there, and until you see see Christian standing next to the badge, doing the doing the new stuff, signing lean. Um, you don't want to believe it, but yeah, that's a huge sign and a huge coup for for the club, and it really shows you the the intent that they've got them. I'm also hearing they've picked up a couple other players who Jesse have come Lazaro. in from also yeah, Jesse Lazaro down there as well, and I think the other Santich brother has yep. has turned up there. So that that gives them some really really good experience, especially proven experience. And I I think I think when you are that club who's been used to winning and and and, and competing in these games. And we've seen in the last two seasons where the promoted side has come up and they've had a really good claim to, for the top four and for the league. So I'm expecting them to come in there and not even think about surviving. I'm, I'm looking at them and expecting them to think about being in the top four. Are we going to see you back down at Nashfield again this year? Because I remember seeing you uh, down there for a couple of the big games. Mate, you will... You will oh, I, for the big games, you will. But what's happening for our podcast this year is we've got two new, two new guys who are joining in and starting up. Yep. And so we're going to give them the guidance with the NPL games and kind of give them that avenue. And then I will be taking a bit of a, more of a back seat and covering some state league games and also covering more of the women's games on Sundays as well. So for the big Western Knights, I'm sure every other game will be a big game down at Nashfield, which is such a great feel for feel and vibe for the community. So, yeah, that, that'll, that'll be our goal, and hopefully we're able to cover cover more football right the way through the season. Kel, just for our listeners, can you share with us what night series are happening where and when? Oh, you're putting on the spot now. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got, we've got the men's NPL and the women's NPL night series. I believe that they're taking place at the end of this week. I think the first game kicks off on the 25th of, of January. The interesting thing is it's a little bit more centralized for a few of those clubs. Um, and so that means that the traveling distance isn't that bad. Let me just uh, see if I can find it. But yeah, and then the Women's Night Series starts a little bit later from the MPL. But then we've also got the the State League Night Series for the men and for the women as well. So as soon as the, the, the month of January finishes, we're, we're really, really into the thick of it. And it's it's one of those interesting ones where clubs are caught in like two stalls right on on one hand you've you really want to get out there and just get minutes into the legs but on the other hand there's a trophy to be won and so it's really interesting seeing how clubs how clubs kind of handle that so I've I've seen a couple games and I think it kicks off on the 25th um, at Dorian Gardens at 630 that's um, Olympic Kingsway versus Inglewood and then we've got games at Dorian Gardens Alfred Skeet Reserve and um, Macedonia Park as well. So that's that's a bit of a that's a lot of travelling for Kingsway, poor guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how the clubs approach it. And and, and Kingsway are one of those clubs who have actually been up front 
and really vocal and aggressive about their signings as well. And I'm I'm really looking at Kingsway to be one of the people who challenge for the NPL this year. Mm. I noticed that the women's NPL, um, and I don't have the clubs in front of me, but there's two groups at Grindleford Reserve and I think the other one's Dorian Gardens. They start mm. 23rd of... 20, 23rd of February. So, yeah. Yeah, Perth, they start Perth a little Perth bit Reds later. Yeah, they get a bit more time off because... Oh, I was going to make a joke, but I, no, never mind. I'll get in trouble for that. That's because no, they, 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 they just have a little bit more time to prepare. That's so right, yeah. On, right, Pete? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. Good and one. and of course they've got less teams, so yeah, to have so it all kind of line up, yeah. to have it kind of line up for when the season proper kicks off. Yeah. I think the season proper ends up happening, and they they start one week behind the men. So it's just to make sure that um, everything kind of aligns that way as well. Yep. Yeah, it's becoming quite busy in the pre-season calendar now with night series and then rolling into the NPL and then the expanded A-League, well, the W, sorry, A-League W season um, and the players crossing over mm. and coming back into the NPL local league if yeah. if they get the chance to do that because um, I don't know how the contracts are going to go with Glory this year. For example... Um, Clara Hawal, who's been signed by Glory. Hopefully she comes back to Mum FC, but she's currently playing for Glory and they don't finish their season until the after the start of the NPL season. Yeah, so I just almost middle in. of that season. Yeah. Well, we hope yeah. they roll straight in. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, I, suppose, I suppose it's depending on the, the workload. So for some of those players, I think they're contractually obliged to take a couple of weeks off. Yes. Okay. Um, and just manage that manage that workload because you've got to understand it. it for, for example, someone like Tasha Rigby who does serious minutes and serious kilometres, mm. um, it's probably not in the best interest of glory for her to finish an intense season and then go straight back into another yes. um, season as well. So I think they do take a couple of weeks off before before they do jump back in it. And I think that's also going to be a big, a big wild card there for that league title and you look at Perth Red Star, who don't have a lot of glory players in there, and that's going to give them a, a bit of a boost in terms of keeping things rolling and moving, and and might and might impact my FC a little bit more not having someone like Clara available. But then again, she might still be available because she probably hasn't had anywhere near as many minutes as yeah. as the other players as well. So hopefully, because she's such a she's such a talent, and she I think she won young young player of the year last yes. year as well, and just 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 such a such a talent and. I, my, my favourite story about her is that she she would play with against the boys as well, and it would be literally play forty five minutes against the boys and then jump on and play against the women. And I'm going, like, yep. just imagine the energy you need to have to be able to do that. It's yeah. called being really young, Kel. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, that, tell that to my knees; they they would absolutely crumble. Yeah, yeah, well, she's only like fifteen or sixteen. She's the youngest player in the squad, so yeah, that energy being managed will see them with a player for the next fifteen years. Well, yeah, it, unless she gets picked up by young Matildas, Matildas overseas, you know, who knows what the pathway there might be. <clears throat> um, but, uh, Kel, I was going to say that uh, there's a bit of a change to the NPL this year with uh, UWA coming in and Curtin dropping out. Mm. Mm. So there'll be two groups of, I think it's four, for the women's uh, NPL. And there is another night series, but I'm not quite sure who's in that or where that is. But um, there's a lot of uh, social branding and presence now, which I really like across the men's and yeah. the women's, which is, you know, they're getting the new players, they're identifying how many games players are playing. It's, it's branding the game of football and mm. you, we know that social 
um, network is abs- absolutely amazing. So kids get a hold of it as well. So they're sharing it with their mates and it's sharing the word of football out there. I really like all these great photos and um, information that is being shared. It's not just stats and it's not just match no. reports. It's good stuff. And it, and it just... Uh, I remember as a player, you just feel so much... You feel so much... like You feel awesome when you finish the game and you've got photos from when you were playing. It's yeah. the same as like having when you go to a ground and the and the and you've got the new paint on the pitch and it just feels awesome. And the idea of like now you've got clubs who are doing the interviews, who are um, making, you know, player of the game, who are showing showing information, it keeps everybody engaged and, and I'm sure as I'm sure as parents you'd be you'd be absolutely buzzing being able to share and say, look look at what my little girl is doing, look what my little boy is doing, look at how good the community and, and vibe is. And so long long may that continue. It's it's so good for us and I think it really just I think it elevates the game and I think this is exactly what you want to do if you want to have your sport taken seriously as well. And it's so good to see because it's, it really, really feels like it's elevating the game and elevating the presence. And I think, I think as clubs do that, they compete more with each other and it brings up the best in, in everybody else as well. And you're going to want to be playing for that club who is talking about all the stuff that they're doing in the community, who are sharing pictures of players, who are counting up and saying, hey, this person is actually going to store it for us and they've played 200 games. Those are those are things that make you really want to join and stay with the club. Um, really quickly, I can give you the group fixtures. Thank you so much to the internet here in, um, <laughs> in Condola. Um, in Group A, we've got Balcatta, Etna, Hyundai NTC, Perth Red Star, and UWA Netherlands. And then, um, and then in Group B, we've got Fremantle City, Mum FC, Perth SC, and Subiaco. Yep. Nice. Yes. And Queen's Park, we, we all know the story about Queen's Park uh, didn't get a position in the NPLW, but there's been a rebuild at the club now currently mm. undergoing renovations and they're very uh, secretly, discreetly, anonymously putting information out there, you know, little bits here and there and then a whole lot about their trials. And uh, I, will, I will leave that for you to talk about, Penny. <laughs> yeah, there's been a, a few conversations between myself and the club and the club and a few other people um, just to, you know, They'll be watch this space because they'll come on to the radio in a couple of weeks. Um, hopefully, the renovations would have been done by then. They had a huge trophy wall at the club, the mm. old mm. Um, club, and I'd love to see that kept intact because that's part of the yep. history. And how many clubs have a huge trophy wall? When, the one that I can think of is probably Perth Soccer Club. There are amazing cabinets up there when you go yep. in to the bar. The first thing you go past up the stairs is those, all those amazing memorabilia and history. So you want to keep that, right? So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, did you want to add something yeah. there, Kel? Go on. I, 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 I wish them. I wish them all the best. I mean, and hopefully they do it in, a, in the in the correct way, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I wish them all the best. I've I've not been covering the game, you know, as long as as long as yourself, Penny. But one of my very first moments and early moments is covering the night series in Queens Park and seeing the community that was down there, seeing the history that was down there. I remember looking back. I think I've got one of the team sheets and. It ended up being like five glory players yes. um, in 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 that in that team and in that squad and and the competition that they would have between them and um and the Redbacks and the Beckingham and Beckingham and it was just it was just terrific so yeah hopefully they can they can come back because they are a proper football club and we need institutions like that um to keep the game moving as well yeah it seems like the new management are looking to do just that so watch watch this space Kelly did want to ask about uh, stats and i know that football west have gone through various platforms in um like uh the competitions and how they retain mm. stats and show them for the day 
uh, or, or the the match weeks, but they've changed, which I think has meant information hasn't been kept. But we did talk oh. a little bit about statistics and how play Redbacks and Redback Perth Red Star are very good at that. Where a player has played 150 games for the club, they they mm. must keep their own stats. Not a, not all clubs do that. And I think that if someone went to Football West and said, can you tell me how many games I've ever played for my club, they should be able to pull out I don't know, referee cards or match sheets or something like that. You go on, Pete. I've got an anecdote <laughs> about that. Yeah, go on. When Tash Rigby had her 100th game on uh, A-League stats, I had her down as 99. And I actually emailed Perth Glory and said, where'd you get the 100 from? What have I missed? Um, I got no response from them. But Peter Wright actually pointed out that there was one game where she wasn't. she came on as a sub but on the official website didn't list her as a sub, which is where I get the info from. Go righty. And he went, you know, no, I've seen the team sheet and she subbed on for, I can't remember whoever it was in the, you know, 73rd minute or something. So luckily I could update it there. But at times I wonder (coughs) what other info I've missed if the official website hasn't shown a sub or a card or something like that. Yeah, right. Thanks, Peter, right? Yeah. It is is interesting though, isn't it, Kel, is that these days... There's so much digital information out there. But, say, 10 years ago when there might have been... We had a... one option. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's, I, think, I think that's the hardest part for them is I remember trying to go back and look at the games that you know, I'd covered and, and written about. Um, and I think now there's, this will be the third platform between, yes. between Squatty, Match Day, yes. and another one previously. And so you're, you're literally flipping between between different platforms and trying to see, okay, well, who won the league that year? Who actually did it? And luckily for us, footballwa.net um, do a decent job in, in covering the, the the team stats. But in terms of the individual stats, that, that'd be really, really difficult to, to look at. And, yeah, I don't know how you could actually do it accurately. And good luck to them because their football is obviously tough for them. And I don't think they have nearly the, the amount of staff that they need. So good luck to them and, and the poor individual who has to go back and look at Felicio Sunwin's <laughs> games playing Div 5 amateurs for <laughs> and confirm if I've made 100 appearances. And it's not their priority either. Yep. Their job no. is to administer the game and if it means changing platforms to make the administration of the game easier. Smoother, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm not sure they've done that when they changed to Squatty, to be honest. Oh, well, and, and look, someone like yourself, Pete, who loves your stats and puts them in and makes sure they're correct and corroborates them against things, and someone like myself with my women's soccer website, and I go back and I like to find out, you know, people come up to me and, and ask, do you know how many games I've played for this club? And mm. I start doing my records, go on to Football West, and there's a disconnect because they've changed their platform. Yeah. So <laughs> then if they ring 10 different people who played for that club, go back to the club who's changed its name, and they've taken, oh, my God. It's just a whole trail of how do we put it all together when something I, seamless would be fantastic. Yeah. Is there such a thing? Well, no, ChatGPT. Could What's that? Chat, get on ChatGPT AI. You know, you we just sort of type in how many... find out for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good shout. I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, God forbid someone hacks footballwa.net. How would we... Like, how, seriously, like, where, where would we go? Like, where would we go... If I wanted to know who won the league in 1973, or someone's the... downloaded it and put it on their hard drive, don't you worry, Cal? Just making sure. Yeah, I, I did try Chat GPT. Um, oh, probably a year ago now, and I thought I'd give it a bit of an ambiguous question. See what it says. I said, "What was Perth Glory's best ever win?" You know, obviously that's a subjective question anyway. But it but it came back and it said the best ever win was when they won the A League Grand Final in 2011, two one over Brisbane Raw, and I went. <laughs> 
No, they didn't. So, yeah, I would take anything Chat <laughs> GPT of, says. Did you send them Oh, minute? shares in a salt mine. Um. <laughs> so you consulted with Wrighty and you wrote back to well, no, I Well, no, I just responded and said, no, that's not correct. They lost that game. And I went, oh, yeah. And it, it gave me, I think, three wrong answers in a row and just everything was just wrong that it gave me. Is that so, like Wikipedia and the teachers say <clears throat> the kids can't use it as a learning platform, but most kids do? because oh, I think Wikipedia, I, I put Google. a bit more faith in what Wikipedia says than what ChatGPT responds with. Because it also oh, yeah. responds very authoritatively. You know, you ask a computer a question, it says, this is the answer. You tend to go, well, that's the answer. And yeah. then you just... Like a- ABC news <laughs> yeah. readers, you but believe yeah, no, them was... because they're professional and they say it like it is. Genuinely yeah. scratching yeah. my head when it said the glory <laughs> won that grand final against Brisbane. I what are you talking about? <laughs> Never heard of chat beat GPT, actually. Oh, dear. No. Oh, Welcome to the 2020s. <clears throat> then again, you know, if you get onto all these digital platforms, your life is ruled by a digital presence. Sorry, I, I want to sleep oh. at night and have a conversation. Yeah, we know, we know. Okay. All right. So before you leave us, Kel, what's the best piece of news you want to leave us with? Best piece of news I want to leave you with is um, Bayswater City have become Bayswater City as, a, as in like Manchester City, and they've gone and they've signed Chris Jackson, um, Cam Peace, Luke Palmatier, Anthony Buffabusha, and um, Ishida Living. So they've gone and put a lot of money behind getting these top-tier players, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of stack up, because on one hand, how many teams do we know have bought a bunch of players in the history of football and won the league that year? Hmm. Very, very few. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, the fact that they're doing it just shows you how exciting and how, how committed that they are to looking to, to win the league. Um, but yeah, the other the other bit of exciting news is obviously the night series starts very, very soon. So I've got the dates. We've got the uh, State League night series starts on the 3rd of February, women's on the 23rd of February, and the men's on the 25th of February. So get out there and go out and support, the, um, support the, the football. And the last one, the last bit of news is the Perth Football Podcast, we are going to do a quiz night. It'll be a uh, quiz night talking about local league sport, local league um, soccer, and also, can I say soccer or football here? I say football here. Local league football. (laughs) Local league football, um, as well as just general football knowledge as well. So hopefully that'll be a a, a good one. And one of the questions will be about how many gold medals Gustavo Marilunda has won. So if you go to the quiz night, you're you're in with a... um, in with a little bit of an edge there because you already know one of the questions. Yeah, so if you know the answer to that one, you've, that's, that's, you've, already, got one, you've already got one question right. Who's coaching Bayswater this year, Kel? Oh, um, Harry Williams, is it? Yeah, Williams. He, um, he took over mid-season last year and, um, and yeah, he's come back and it's been, it's been one of the key things to signing the likes of Luke Palmatera is that he's had a previous history with them and so they had a really good end towards the start of the end to, to last season. And I think they've got Stu Moses on board as well as one of the assistant coach. Um, and Stu was part of that Chris Coyne cohort that stormed the league and pretty much won everything. So it'll be interesting to see how they pull up. But when you look at that league, you've got Red Star who have lost Chock, Chock, Chock Dow, um, and lost um, another. Well, they've gained Ellis Healing back, um, but they have they've had some pretty key losses throughout the spine of the team. The same same applies for Sterling. Um, but yeah, it's just it's. Um, I'm so excited 
for when that league starts again to just see how it all pans out because I think what ended up happening last year was I think four points separated fourth from <laughs> fourth from second to last. So yeah, it'll be it'll be chop block. And of course, um, Caitlin Douglas has rejoined Red Star in the um, or joined Red Star in the women's league. So a lot of movement happening on that side. And I think the other wild card to look at is um, Balcatter because Pete Rakic has now gone there from Perth SC, and he may or may not be taking a lot of players with him from Perth. So so much to look forward to when the season kicks off. <laughs> Actually, that that does happen. I've seen Pete go from. Um, <laughs> Queen's Park to Mum FC, players left and went there, and then he went to Perth and players went there. and So, good chance. I mean, that's what happens, right? You have a good coach, and players want to stay with a good coach. Follow the coach. Mm. Yeah. So, Follow the coach, and, yeah. and I think it happens a lot more in women's football as well. As you, you're so cool that you play with your mates, and it doesn't necessarily yeah. happen as much as in, in the men's game, but say, Lassie. Yeah. Kel, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today. Love your enthusiasm. Keep up the great work, young man. Oh, thank you all so much. Honestly, it's it's such a joy speaking to all of you, and I can't wait to. Um, we're going to have a really cool initiative this year. Where we call it Casual Football Chats, where we just talk to people in the community about the game and and what it means to them and their and their work in the community. And I'd love to have all three of you on at one time or individually and just talk about your stories because I think it's I think it's something people need to hear because doing this takes a lot of money and time and effort, and a lot of the times you don't get it back. Yeah, yeah a lot of love here. A lot, lot of, of love. love. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kill. Have a fantastic weekend. Cheers, Kill. everybody. Take care. See, See ya. That was Kel Isonwa. I can't pronounce his other name, so I'm just going to say Kel. Okay. Everyone knows Kel. Is anyone Kel in football? Robbie, have you ever followed your coach club to club? Um, yes, I have. Um, about a sort of makes a big how do you say it um, impact on the decision you're going to make which club you're going to go to yep. with coaches as well and um, yeah when I was in Asia I followed one coach um, Peter Butler he had a massive sort of impact on me you know like sort of as a mentor almost like a father figure in the world and also I sort of played for Graham Normanton three different clubs okay. here in in Western Australia at Perth at Inglewood and also at Kingsway but I didn't sort of. Uh, End up playing the whole season at Kingsway, but um, and also he coached me in the state team in the under 15s and the under 16s. So uh, he had a massive sort okay. of impact on me as well. So it is a thing, you know. To it's maybe more common than you might 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 think to, to follow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you know they might have a certain philosophy, might have a certain methodology way to play. They understand you, and you know what you're going to get from them. They know what you're going to get from you, and um, I think that plays a big part in sort of the decision you make when you sort of move into clubs. Okay, okay, interesting. Ben. Sorry about that, Ben. We're going to go to a break because Blaine is busy at the moment and okay. we'll catch him after that break. This is Penn, Pete and Robbie on the World Football Programme. Stay with us. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Coaching football. Is it about leading your nation? Or giving back to your community? Is it about inspiring the next generation? Or just spending time together? Find out what coaching football means to you. Visit myfootballclub.com.au Do we really believe they come from somewhere else? Leagues in far-off lands. Galaxies full of superstars. What if they were made right here? In the city streets and sun-drenched suburbs. Small towns and home grounds. Our parks and pitches aren't just rectangles of dirt and turf. 
The fertile grounds where greatness is unearthed. Where rugged was raised. Where curls grown. Even if they end up there, they all start here. In front of our eyes and hearts. And right here is where you'll find the next one. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penny, Pete and Robbie Gasper in the studio for our first show back of 2024. You're on 107.9 FM. If you miss any part of the show or you're on the road, you can live stream via Radio Fremantle's website or podcast later on the World Football Program website. And our guest at the moment is Blaine Treadgold. Good morning, young Blaine. How are you? Yeah, very good, guys. Happy New Year. Great to have uh, you guys back on the on the wireless. Yep. The wireless. Yeah. I, well, I <laughs> That's know. something my mum would say. I know, right? <laughs> Don't people even know what that is? <laughs> yes. I picked up an old radio from a closing down antique shop the other day, and it was one of those ones with a cassette that yep. comes out. Yeah. I, I still have cassettes. And with they the play. aerial as well? Yes, a, absolutely. I It's only probably... I don't know, 20 years old, still works, chuck the batteries in and off she goes. Twin tape deck so you can copy from one cassette to another? No, that was my first one that I afforded when I worked and I had enough money. I had a silver brand. Went to Myers, got the yep. double one and yep. put it on my shoulder. You know how they used to... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so 1980s. <laughs> yes, it was. So cool. Blaine, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, what's moving and shaking in your football world so far this year? Yeah, there's a little bit going on. Of course, uh, Asian Cup, which is very exciting, kicking off last night and the uh, the Australians back in action and then all of the A-League uh, excitement and, uh, well, it's just polar uh, opposites, our, our women's team to our men's team at the moment, isn't it? So, um, yeah, plenty to, plenty to take in as well as, um, I guess, uh, keeping a good eye on, on everything that's going up in the lead-up to the, the local season. The, uh, the night series uh, won't be too far away and plenty of big signings as well. It is interesting if you look at the tables at the moment. So on the top of the men, the top four, Melbourne victory. And I think after the last couple of games is West... Is it Western... Western Sydney. It is Western Sydney. And then uh, Wellington Phoenix and Melbourne City. Yep. And then the women, it's Melbourne City, Perth Glory, Western United and Wellington Phoenix. Very interesting tables. I like the way the women's table is looking right now. I think all Glory supporters <laughs> prefer the women's table to the men's table yes. at the moment. Yes, yeah. And not, not bad crowds. Macedonia Park is kind of a little bit of a, a, a nice social place to be. We get our parking on the grass and can walk straight up to the ground so it's nice and accessible, all these kind of things. Added. And there's a big long line for the kiosk, whatever yep. food they put out there, and a nice coffee or tea or whatever it is. So making a little bit of money for the club is nice too. Back to the Absolutely, community. and uh, great to see uh, a few developments happening uh, as part of the um, uh, Macedonia Park plans with the, the new seating that's been put in as well, which is uh, it should be right for our next home game, I think, uh, by uh, by all reports. So a little bit more of a comfortable experience for those that sit in the grandstand. So mm. can you elaborate on that? When I was at Macedonia Park for the last game, if you look uh, with your back to the main stand and then across and to the right, there's a, a building going up around the ground. Do you know what that is? I think that might be further grandstand seating, but don't quote me on that as well. I, I do know that it just um, they just finalised the uh, or finished up the uh, the new seating in the in the clubhouse grandstand, if you like, um, behind the goals. I 
there, I, I think there was talk about further development, but don't quote me 100% on that one. So I think it's only a three-year um, program that they're going to be at Macedonia Park and they'll be into, is it the second season they're there now? So it be one more season, I'm going to think, and then they'll be, well, open to moving back to HBF Park depending on what happens with the Perth Glory owners yeah. and money available. Well, uh, I think the probable plan will be, at least in theory, to try and move into the State Football Centre. Uh, or the Sam Kerr Football Centre, as it's now known. I think that might be part of the plan. But, of course, there's a lot of water under the bridge to go as far as the management and the ownership of, of Perth Glory and what any deal like that might look like with with uh, Football West. Well, that's right, because Football West uh, don't have an... In- well, that, they don't commit money or pay for the Perth Glory women. Mm. Um, I don't know who's paying for it at the moment, I suppose, the no, APL. I assume it's, yeah, yeah, APL or Perth Glory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but are you saying that the Perth Glory men and women land at the State Football Centre because that's you know the perfect scenario, I reckon? Well, absolutely it is. And I, I think in the initial plans, uh, at least in theory, uh, that was the idea was get through Stage 1, Stage 2 of the Sam Kerr Football Centre, which I think that is all complete now, and then start to build on Stage four, uh, 3, 4, 5 and 6 with the uh, vision that... Uh, at one stage, Perth Glory would move in there. But as I said, there's a lot of water under the bridge in terms to go with negotiation and contracts and, you know, all the uh, all, all the legal and, and, and number crunching kind of uh, aspects of that as well. Uh, I thought they were only stage one and two for the football centre. They've not got any further grounds developed. They're open and cleared, but um, just laying open at the moment. And they've just got the original car parks and the two synthetics and the main pitch. I think that's only stage one or stage two, Blaine. Yeah, but that, that, that's right. But there is there is planning to have the further stages yeah, uh, on definitely. that on that cleared land. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I saw Pete shake his head when I mentioned about Perth Glory men and women being there, but they've got to do a lot more work around the stadium. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you're referring to just the administrative and training side, or I'm assuming the Perth Glory men are still playing at HBF Park. I don't know. No, I'd, I'd, I'd envision that as well, yeah. yeah, that they'd still play. But I guess just in terms of having a, a home, quote-unquote, yeah. uh, administration buildings, gyms, everything that they've had, obviously they've been very nomadic for a long time now. Um, and I think this is this is part of the uh, part of the problem as far as the ownership is that what is a new owner actually buying besides a piece of paper? Yeah. Um, and you know you can say that with plenty of tongue in cheek as well, but that's uh, <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the, down at Fremantle Earl, I think at the moment with their admin, the, yeah. which is where the girls' soccer or the girls' football festival was held this year, and I think it's going to be there again next year. I, I went down to the, the Glory store there at Fremantle Oval and it was a bit of a chore to actually find it. It's pretty hard, yeah. yeah. Is it? It's yeah. just the South Fremantle Bulldogs ground. What do yeah. you mean? Well, you had to go in through the car park. You had to go basically... Ah. Uh, you, you know, it's not like yeah. you could see it from the street. There was a you know little placard out the front saying Perth Glory. And this was over a year ago, but... Um, actually, that's a really good point because I visit Fremantle quite a lot and I can't remember seeing any Perth Glory branding around the Oval at all. I mean, there mm. must be so something. It's- Obviously, it's in the old, what I understand to be the old City of Fremantle Council uh, administration building, which was just towards the back there. So I guess if you know Fremantle Oval well, don't think of the grandstand, think further around yeah, yeah. Um, towards the other side there. 
Where the Fremantle Hospital is, it used to be also before the city of Fremantle was there. The Fremantle Dockers were based there as yep. well. And um, yep. I know from the uh, from what I've heard, I think they've still got another couple of years left on the contract there at the city of Fremantle. So, yeah, um, yeah so watch this space probably. Yeah, you are right though, Blaine. What would a new Perth Glory owner be buying? And we all think of Perth Glory as it's a Perth team and they've had great success. Women are doing great at the moment. Nomadic yep. comes to mind, but uh, you know, you know, Blaine. If someone gave you fifty million bucks, would you consider buying Perth Glory? Uh, I've got to admit, I'm not very business savvy, but <laughs> even from the outside looking in, you know, you're going to come up with plenty of losses. And yeah. obviously, what we've seen in the past, uh, you know, is is to try and uh, offset, um, you know, uh, losses with a football club with some of the other assets that uh, previous owners and probably future owners would have as well. I think that was even probably the plan with uh, the ownership that fell through through uh, through Robert Bridge and Co. So, um, yeah, it is an interesting one. Uh, I think we've spoken about this before, but, I mean, uh, this would be a, a total kind of an ultimate litmus test as far as public ownership for me at the moment. Um, what that looks like, I'm not really sure, but if we are to go down that line, then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering whether it would to sell off 5% to the fans or whatever it might be to begin with, what that might actually look like in terms of just thinking outside of the box and, you know, trying to get away from that real kind of franchise kind of, uh, I, I don't want to say plastic, but I will for the lack of a better phrase kind of terms to be having a club that is, you know, by the people, for the people, I just think resonates with the community a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I think there probably needs to be a different kind of uh, ethos or model, business model that comes in because whatever we've done before hasn't worked, negative gearing and being nomadic and I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think we're probably all a little bit frustrated and exasperated with what's happened in the past, but who knows what the model going forward needs to be. I think when you have a look at, you know, potential for clubs around Australia and New Zealand, I think Perth has the most potential out of all of them. You know, a one-team town, you yep. know, fantastic city to play in. You know, we've had our issues and so probably there's only one way up and that's up. You know, like, so one way and, and that's up. And, and if you look at the Women's World Cup from last year, the amount of people that came out to support football, so we know that they're out there. Yep, yep. that's oh, correct. Yeah. Yep, so, just um, got to get them in and... Success brings them back again. Yeah. Uh, I've just shared on our Facebook group, there was a uh, video from TIFO Football from The Athletic in the UK as to why anyone would want to own a football club. It's only a <laughs> six or so minute video, but it, it actually goes into um, exactly that. And it's it's quite... TIFO, TIFO do some really good uh, stories at times. So. Yeah. Uh, what's the club in England that has just been bought by the two American actors? Wrexham. That's, that's yeah. the one. Which was a fantastic series too, if you, if you watch the... The TV series Welcome to Wrexham. I wonder if their model is to make it sustainable so they that they can step... They come and buy Perth Glory. Well, That's right. Maybe we should send them a letter, email or Facebook them or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, now we're in kind of a bit of uh, bit of limbo, a bit of no man's land. Uh, Alan Stadich, none too happy in the week to... You know, uh, have these financial restraints, and uh, well, he believes that uh, the APL, who are current, the current owners, even if it just is in the interim, have, have reneged on some promises to get some new players in. So there's yeah. no money in the bank. Um, you know, that's having knock-on effects. Uh, Oliver Bazanich looks to be recalled by his parent club at Western Sydney, and yeah, ultimately, it's um, yeah, um, it, it's hard to see how any kind of reinforcements will come in. In fact, they won't come in, according to Alan Stadich. So. I guess these are just some of the some of the other knock-on effects of, of not having a, a stable ownership. 
And Jared Carluccio will be going yes. back on the 31st of yep. January, I think, as well. So it's another player they're going to be losing. So. Two that I've really enjoyed watching this season too, both of those yeah. players. So. so the big machine that is the Perth Glory Academy is massive. So we've if we don't have the stars, we can't have the money to pull in other players, we've got to look within. We've, we've got to. Isn't that the reason the damn academy has been set up with all these players? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think this is where we probably need to be just a little bit more thrifty in some of the players that we are uh, producing, but more importantly, kind of selling on. Uh, we've had some fantastic young players that have come through that, that Perth Glory Academy, and yes, some are still there, but... You know, names like Keegan Yelisic, who spent a fair bit of time there. In fact, um, just coincidentally this morning, he has come back to uh, Brisbane Raw on loan, mm-hmm. uh, being a, a Queensland boy originally. But uh, uh, Alexandro Sercati, Jacob Italiano, Danny De Silva, um, there's been some really, really good promising names that have come through. So I'm wondering if we just need to be a little bit more thrifty as far as letting some of these young you know, people go. Um, you know, we, we always joke about that kind of mutual termination, but, you know, when you're producing these kind of players, you really need to be getting something out of it. Yeah. Where are we at with the transfer system in Australia now? Weren't, wasn't there something on the table with um, the transfer fees coming in so that when you, a player had been playing or with a club for so long and they transferred to another club in the semi-professional, professional space that there was going to be a fee introduced wasn't that something there's a certain amount of compensation when if a player's been with you a certain amount of time and depending on where which clubs they go to say in europe there's a tiered system and then you get a certain amount of compensation for the club um so and then even their their clubs are coming through when the npl will get sort of a fee and is that still a discussion stage oh no no i think that's that's happening so you know players are getting sold and bought and stuff like that for transfer fees and um i think Joseph Ford, he just left, but he left yes. on a free yep. contract by mutual termination as well. But, um, yeah, if you look at Central Coast, they've just recently sold um, Marcus Tullio yes, he yeah, did, yeah. To, to Japan. So they're going to make a fair bit of money out of that. And, good. you know, they're selling some players as well, the younger boys, and mm. they've got a really good model there as well. So I think but it takes time with anything, with kids coming through and developing that model. So I just, uh, I mean, I don't know how Perth Glory stacks up against other academies of other a-league teams, uh, clubs, but I would have thought we'd stack up pretty well. We've had this beast producing players for such a long time and it's I don't, I don't know how many players are in that system, but they come from the younger age right up and yeah. I would like to see more of them in the Perth Glory and if we don't have the money, just keep... I mean, I'm thinking of Manchester United under yep. Alex Ferguson. Just keep producing them and putting them in there and testing them out. Well, it feels, it feels I, a bit I, cyclical I, with the glory. There's There's been times when we're like, yep, we're all West Australian, you know, let's get the WA lads and then there's oh we're not winning so let's buy in you know yeah. overseas but yeah you know, we've sort experience. of we sort of switched between the two over the last 10 15 years uh, sorry, Blaine, you were about to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think this needs a very, very holistic approach, though. I don't think it's just purely about Perth glory. Um, I think that there needs to be the uh, the other clubs in terms of the NPL and State League and whatever that might look like come uh, and really understand that they're a part of this pathway as well. And Perth Glory needs to understand that as well and go, um, you know, making sure that these development fees are getting are getting passed on. So, yeah. for example, if a player comes at, at 14 and then joins uh, the Perth Glory at 16, um, you know, the club that initially developed that particular player needs to be getting something out of that as well and, and making sure that they can continue that assembly line um, you know, and play a role in that assembly line as well. So that, that building of relationships, I think, is, is pretty essential. 
um, to making sure that we've got these development pathways coming not only through us through Western Australian football, but Australian football and beyond as well. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So, uh, Blaine, before we let you go, um, a couple of other things there. I've got to mention that Miranda Templeman is not playing for Melbourne Victory because she has sustained a knee injury and is having surgery, so she is off the table for the rest of the season. I queried that with Pen off air because I <sighs> noticed the last Melbourne Victory game, not not yesterday's one, but the one before, she wasn't on the wasn't on the team sheet, and yep. so that's why she's she's not there. Yes, damn it. She's, uh, well, we, yeah, we we certainly do uh, wish Miranda uh, all the best. I know you guys are very close, so uh, yeah, no, great to see a, a Western Australian, um, you know, ply her trades uh, over there for for Melbourne, and yeah, hopefully one day she decides to come back here to Perth. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I did read somewhere that uh, Josip Gumbau is uh, now assistant coaching. Is Aston Villa? I saw that. Yes. Yeah, under 21 yeah. coach, I believe, for Aston Villa. So, uh, yeah, he's gone to another level as well. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're definitely starting to be noticed, and I think this is a real positive, uh, you know, for all the stick that Australian football and particularly the A-League gets. I mean, uh, we are starting to see proof in the pudding of being able to not only produce players that can go to a, a good level as well, but, of course, the, the Ange effect and, mm. uh, you know, even having internationals that have come here. Marco Tullio is a prime example that has kind of resurrected his career and gone on to bigger and better things. And I think that's uh, that's got to be a positive, and I think we should be probably screaming that from the rafters just that little bit more and celebrating these things. Blaine, before we let you go, Share with us where we can listen to your football chat during the week. Uh, yeah, so you can hear me, uh, obviously, with Gareth Morgan on the uh, the Perth Glory uh, radio show. You'll be able to get that uh, via podcast, or if you're having trouble finding that, just go to the Perth Glory channels. And also the football fix of a Thursday evening, myself and Murray Stevens sift uh, through the uh, the latest uh, in, in football alongside former glory man Dino Jovic. So uh, look up the football fix and, uh, yeah, you'll be able to find that podcast of that one at the Sport FM website as well. Good one. Excellent. Lots of football. And I think you're the only person I know that's actually full-time as a, can I call you a sports personality or a sports commentator? What's your title, Blaine? Well, broad, broadcaster, really. Yeah, broadcaster. Okay. Hmm, that must feel pretty good to be able to say that. <laughs> a, a commentating personality. Have the best of both worlds. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, we've obviously, myself and Murray Stevens just got into the commentary side of things on Sport FM, which is, uh, yeah, it's been a, a hell of a learning curve, let me tell you, but uh, a really enjoyable one nonetheless. And we've had some really good games at home that um, that we've had uh, been involved with. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's been an absolute privilege. Yeah, got a great voice and you're nice and relaxed having a chat. Good one, Blaine. Thanks very much, Penny. Enjoy your weekend, whatever it brings, young man. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your football. Cheers. See you, Blaine. See you, Blaine. Cheers. Lane Treadgold, sports broadcaster. He's really come a long way. Mm, and personality. Yes. Personality. <laughs> awful. Just awful. Sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, we are going to have a chat to Caitlin Smith, who's the Parramatilda's goalkeeper soon, about inclusive football and what's happening. Caitlin's not here in Perth. She is over, I think, in Queensland. Okay. Not quite sure why she's there, but we'll have a chat about that. And more football, of course. This is uh, Pete Penn and Robbie Gaspar. Stay tuned. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware, components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. 
trade and laymen, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258-6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels, all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Some other bits of news during the week. Over to you, Pete. Okay, uh, obviously, as I'm sure everyone in the footballing world knows, uh, Franz Beckenbauer, der Kaiser, passed away um, this week. Uh, so just a bit of a rundown of him because he really was um, footballing royalty. You have the best of the best, but I think he was up there with the best of the best of the best. So der Kaiser is the emperor for anyone who doesn't speak German. Uh, he was born September 11, 1945, so just a week or two after the end of World War II. Started playing as a midfielder, but he really made his mark as a central defender and is credited with inventing the role of a modern sweeper, the libero. Uh, when Beckenbauer praised Liverpool manager uh, Jurgen Klopp in 2019, Klopp said he felt like he had been given a knighthood by a king. So his complete history was uh, 200, uh, sorry, 427 matches for Bayern Munich uh, between 1964 and 77. 80 appearances for New York Cosmos between 77 and 80. This was back in the days when the the NASL was, was big news and was sort of making Americans look up and take note of football. Uh, 28 appearances for Hamburger SV between 1980 and 82. Kind of worth mentioning because he was in America. Hamburger is not an American team. That's as in from Hamburg in Germany. Not Nothing to do with hamburgers. Uh, then went back to New York Cosmos in 83 for 25 appearances again and then retired. Uh, he had 103 appearances and 14 goals for West Germany between 65 and 77. And I think we can all remember him... The, the picture of him holding the trophy up when West Germany won in 74. Uh, and in terms of sort of noteworthy uh, titles, he's one of only nine players who has won the World Cup, the European Cup and the Ballon d'Or. Uh, he won the European Footballer of the Year twice, 
won the World Cup as a player in 1974 for West Germany and then won it as a manager in 1990, one of only three players that have done the double. Uh, He was named in the World Team of the 20th Century in 1998, the FIFA World Cup Dream Team in 2002, the Ballon d'Or Dream Team in 2020, and in 2004 he was listed in the FIFA 100 as of the world's 100th greatest living players. Uh, and at club level with Bayern Munich, he won the European Cup Winners' Cup in 67 and three consecutive European Cups from 74 to 76. So, so what's the span just, of his career? So um, decades? 64 to 83. So, you know, just under 20, well, 20 years. <clears throat> he didn't play for many clubs in that time. No, well, basically loyal. Bayern Munich the whole time and then, you know, New York Cosmos a bit at the end. and so With Pelo there at New York Cosmos at yeah. the same time? Yeah, yeah, so... I wonder how many players in the world would say that they'd played just about their entire career with the same club. I can't think of many that would um, break well, that these days. Funny you should mention that. Stephen Gerrard, he went to the US after Liverpool. True. So, yep. um, and maybe um, John Messi, played for Barcelona, yep. except for Paris Saint-Germain. Yep. Lee Broxham for Melbourne Victory has played 458 matches. And that's... Just, just Melbourne victory. Well, just in the A-League, I'd have to check if he's gone anywhere else. But I assume, having played for that long, he probably hasn't gone overseas or anything. No, Melbourne victory the whole time, since 2006. Is he the leading sort of for games? For, for games, yes. Uh, and that's like every player below him on that list has played for multiple A-League clubs. The yep. next one down is Ryan Grant at Sydney for 320 matches. Um, I don't know. Do you know if Pelé... Played for a, like a very small amount of clubs. Was it just Santos? Santos yeah. yeah, I think he just played for Santos, and that's it. And I then, think. and then, yeah, yeah, New York, York, Cos- yeah, New York Cosmos. I think Crazy. there was a, a something like a rule that he wasn't allowed to leave Brazil. <laughs> he had to stay <laughs> and play for Santos. Exactly right. Fifty-six to seventy-four at Santos, five hundred and eighty-three appearances, and then two years at New York Cosmos. Yeah, I think there was a time when was it Brazil's Romario? He came and played a little bit in Australia, and yes. I think he'd retired for a little bit before he, he came was, back. He was, he was aiming for the, um, the hundred, yeah, yeah, the yeah. thousand professional goals. Although that number was a bit iffy, anyway. They counted a few shonky ones, and I, for a long time he was listed as one of the oldest <laughs> players in the A League. I don't know if he's still there. Um, Liam Reddy takes that. Liam Reddy. Uh, well, let me see. Yes, you're right. Liam Reddy is currently top, and Romario is still second. And how at, old is Liam Reddy? Uh, he was 41 years and 147 days. Right. When he played for the glory against Adelaide United. Okay. And I'm... yeah, Romario second. Uh, obviously, the top top ten mostly goalkeepers. We got Liam Reddy. Well, Romario's not. Ante Kovic for the glory. Uh, Thomas Sorensen was at Melbourne Victory. Brad Jones for the glory. Uh, Alessandro Diamanti. Alessandro Del Piero. Uh, and Diego Castro actually sneaks in in tenth spot as well. <laughs> 38, 38, uh, nearly 39 years age. One of the English goalkeepers had. He was in his 40s. Peter Shilton Peter was yeah, 42. Peter correct, yeah. I'd probably even... Was he older? I don't know. I just remember him. He was an excellent goalkeeper. What about Stanley Matthews? Is Stanley Matthews? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wasn't he in his 50s? Yeah, something oh, like that. Oh, no. Oh, there was that Japanese player who yeah. who is still playing now in... Oh, Kazum, Kazumura? Yes. Uh, yes, that's the one. And I think, did he did he play he here re- as well? Yeah, he just re-signed now at age 50-something. Yeah, Sydney FC? Yeah. Back in, I think, 2006. Like 2000, yeah, such a long time. And even then he was like, oh, this guy's yeah, just running out his career now. And now here we are 20 years later and he's still playing, he's still playing professional. He, play, he played with his son as well. <laughs> he's, he's probably aiming to play with his grandson. Yeah. 
I'm looking up Stanley Matthews. I can't see what age he was when he retired. Oh, yep, there you go. Until he was 50 years old. Really? Yep. As in playing professionally? It, well, I'm looking at Wikipedia. He was okay. fit enough to play at top level until he was 50 years old. The oldest player ever to play in England's top football division, 50 years and five days. Okay. There you go. Nice work, Stan. So I've got no excuse not to be still playing. No, there, stop so. complaining about your knees, <laughs> you young spring chicken. No, ironically, the knees are the only thing that's not given up on me. Ha. Yet Now I've jinxed it. We're going to go to a break and we're going to come back and have a chat to Caitlin Smith. This is Pen, Pete and Robbie on the World Football Program. Stay tuned. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. We are one, but we are Just a ball. It's where we find our feet, where we find our voice and a place to belong, where we get to express our true selves. Following the footsteps of our heroes, we can go from small to 10 feet tall, where we can all write our best stories. Because this game, the world's biggest game, has space for us all. Find your place, join our team. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn, Pete and Robbie in the studio on the World Football Program 107.9 FM. Our guest now is Caitlin Smith. Good afternoon, Caitlin. Good afternoon. Where are we calling you? I'm in Sydney at the moment. Is that a football journey or are you on a football break? No, I've done uh, football. I've done national football in... Queensland, now I've got to do the National Club Futsal in Sydney. <laughs> did you actually have a break over Christmas, young lady? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. Actually, I did. <laughs> Good one. Well, it, it sounds like you're energised and ready to take on whatever it is. Is this part of the competition that left um, the WA Futsal shores here in WA and went to Sydney just this week? Is that that competition? Yeah, it's that one. Okay, and what role are you playing there? I'm in the New South Wales Indigenous team. What? Is there not a WA team? No, there's not. So there's two Indigenous teams. They've picked athletes from around Australia. So there's one New South Wales team and one Queensland team, and they've just picked athletes from around Australia to join, and they've just given it New South Wales and Queensland names. But we're from all around Australia. Sounds like a state of origin match. It does. <laughs> Yeah. But we verse the open women, so we're in the open women's category, so we verse other teams like, say, Central Coast or WA. I think WA have a women's open team and 
I know Queensland have a few, New South Wales have a few. I think there's like 10 of us, 10 teams. Right. Okay, so there is a team from WA, but they're not an Indigenous team? No, they're just not, they're just, yeah, they're not Indigenous. Okay. Are you playing as goalkeeper in the team that you're playing with? Yes, I am. Do you ever play any other position? Um, Not really. I like to, but everyone says I'm good in goal, so that's where I stay. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, have you hit the professional ranks yet? Like, do they pay you to do all this travelling all over the place? No, they don't. Oh. Is it user pay or, or do you get all of your fares paid for? How, how do you afford to get around? So I paid for this one, but um, when we go away with the Paramatildes, obviously that's covered. But if I do any other extra like activities, I've got to pay for it. Mm. Mm. That sounds like you'd be spending a lot of time fundraising. Yes. Or I work full time when I'm back home. Okay. Is that doing football-related work? Yes. So I work for Football Futures. Okay, yes. How did 2023 go in that space? Very good, very good. We had a very good year. I started working with Football Futures and it was just good getting out in the community and helping the young kids coach and get them on board and seeing how excited they are to meet like Paramatildas like myself and stuff like that. So it was very exciting. What are some of the things that you do in that program? So we mainly go around to schools and do like their soccer programs. So teach them how to kick a ball and run around and play games. And then I was also doing a community-based one on a Wednesday afternoon with just some random kids at a park just wanting to play a whole bunch of sports. And we would have soccer, AFL and cricket. And then they would just float from sport to sport and we would teach them and encourage them to play. Do you work with role models from other sports or role models from other soccer programs in WA? I'm working with Football Futures. I'm in. I just started working with coaching the junior wheelchair soccer team, so I'm in with that as well. But oh. other than that, you must do a bit of travel in your entire life. Do you get out into the regional areas for football futures as well? No, but I am starting on, because I started later on in the year and I was in and out with the Paramatildas all the time. Um, I was talking to Brent about that and I was wanting, and I suggested to him that I would go out in the communities this year and go further up north to the Kimberleys and stuff to get involved in those communities. Are there any other Paramatildas here in West Australia? No, I'm the only Paramatildas, Paramatilda in WA. Caitlin, this is Robbie Gasper here. Um, we actually, the Football Foundations, you guys are doing an awesome job. We actually had them down at Western Knights uh, for a little in-the-season tournament and we sort of had yep. four different teams. I was actually eight teams and we had a bit of a round-robin tournament and all the money we raised for that sort of from that tournament, we sort of yeah donated back to the Football Futures Foundation and we just think you're doing an awesome job, so keep it up. That's awesome. I, I like doing we it. We've got to get you down to Western Knights again. Yes, them. definitely do. With Brent mm-hmm. and Saskia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. I enjoy it. I love seeing the kids, the joy on the kids' faces when we play football and bringing them into a group setting where they no- normally play in a group setting is great. You're also a referee, aren't you, Caitlin? Yes, I am. So does this mean that during the week you do football futures and on the weekends you're refereeing? Yeah, our season's 
the refereeing season starts, I think, the first weekend in February. We go back. So I'm pretty keen to get that going again. Is that with uh, futsal or uh, inclusive football? Or where's the refereeing space? No, I, I referee through Football West. Okay. Wow. So I referee all the way up until um, MPL under-17 girls is the highest I've done. Far out. Does, does that mean yeah. you get frustrated in a game if the referee makes a wrong call because you're like, I'm a ref, I know what I'm talking about here? I'm very much one of those people. <laughs> I cannot stand it. You can't argue with me. I know the rules. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm exactly what I say. I've got to try and I've got to learn to bite my tongue because when other refs do it to me, I don't like it. So yeah, fair enough. I try so hard to bite my tongue and go, no, behave yourself. Yeah, and you're a bit of a... An ambassador and a role model, you've got to uh, conduct yourself appropriately, don't you, Caitlin? Yes, I definitely do. Mm. What about uh, 2024? What does that bring in the inclusive football or football futures space? How, how does that work with football futures and inclusive um, football? Are they two different spaces or same? No, uh, yeah, so football futures is, obviously I work for them, so we we go around to schools. You don't have to have... A disability. It could be anyone that's like like a refugee moving over to WA that just wants to learn how to play football and stuff like that, or someone who say would have like a little bit of social anxiety. So we get them into a group setting before sending them off to the main league, and then um, and then the inclusive league is what we call the I League or the paramatilda space or the deaf football space, or just depending what road and what disability you want to go down or you have, so you go down, so we send you there. So are you saying that part of your role or part of Football Futures' role is to encourage people that need some help and support to get them used to the lay of the land and where they're comfortable playing and then foster movement into that pathway, wherever that is from there? Yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of younger ones in the football futures and then as they get older and grow and develop, we'll send them uh, to say like CP uh, football or vision impaired football. It's just depending where they're all integrate them into a mainstream club somewhere. Okay. And what's on your table for 2024 or for football futures? Um. Hopefully get around with them, go up to the Aboriginal communities up north or south and try and get more of them involved and see just what's out there. Try and get through football futures and going into schools and stuff, trying to get more players, more female players in the CP world. Mm-hmm. I think because we're still so new, not many people know us, so trying to get more athletes and that out there, which will be good. So working alongside both of them to get to the one ultimate goal, to get new players. Yeah. Do you see that there's a big space to be filled? Yeah, yeah. There's Because I've moved from New South Wales, so I've been in the big area of New South Wales CP football, and that's where all the girls come from. Yeah. But being over in WA, we've got that big gap. We've got some younger girls, like too young. To, so you've got to be 14 to come into our Paramatilda program. We've got two or three younger girls, but they're only 11, 12. So they're not quite at that stage to come into our program. So trying to fill that age gap in the middle between them and me is where we 
me to look for. Hmm. Would you say that the success of the Matildas and the profile of the Matildas in 2023 has helped inclusive football? I think so because my little sister goes to school. I've got a younger sister. She goes to school and all their teachers and a couple of their students follow the Matildas because mm. through the Matildas. So they, because they follow their, the Matildas on Instagram, they've found out about the Matildas. Yeah. yeah. So which is, I think it was, it's such, having a successful World Cup here was a great and stepping stone and having our Asian Cup in Melbourne as well, we found heaps more girls in Melbourne that we had no idea about and they had no idea about us or the Asian Cup too. And you were champions as well, the Asian Cup as well? Yes, we were. And you were the captain of the team? Captain and I got goalkeeper of the tournament as well. Awesome. Nice. Very nice. I, I'd like to see your trophy cabinet. Can you send us a photo? <laughs> <laughs> I have to go buy a new one. A, a new trophy cabinet. <laughs> Reinforced. <laughs> wow. That, that's cool. And how old are you, Caitlin, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 27. Wow. So okay. you've um, travelled a lot of places already and had a lot of opportunities and you've collected a lot of trophies. And you're doing a great yep. job being an ambassador and you're very articulate, which is awesome for radio, by the way. <laughs> so you can definitely come back and have a chat with us and uh, check in and let us know how things are going in that um, inclusive football and football futures space, if you like. Beautiful. I'd love to do that. Excellent. All right. Well, we understand sometimes we won't be able to catch you because you'll just be playing busy in the football space. But um, yep. we'll work it out so you join us through the year and bring to the table whatever you want to bring to the table that uh, shares the love. Beautiful. I'd love to. Okay. Well, uh, have you? Are you just about to start your tournament in New South Wales? That you've just landed there. Yeah, right? I'm going to start it. I start Wednesday. I start playing. Okay. So, well, so I get a couple of rest days before I start. Nice. Well, good luck with that, and you'll uh, we'll hopefully catch up with you when you return, and you can tell us all about it. Beautiful. We'll do. Thank you. Good one. Enjoy. Stay safe. Thanks, Thank Caitlin. Caitlin. Bye. Caitlin, bye. Caitlin Smith. Matilda and at the moment playing in New South Wales Indigenous football team. Mm. Wow. Representing New South Wales. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realise she was originally from New South Wales. Yeah, me too. Hmm. It's good that, we, that she's here and she's assisting the Football Futures Foundation, which is doing a great job, and captain of the Matildas as well. You know, yeah. That won the Asian Cup, Asian Oceania Cup as well. Yep. Yeah. Last year. Caught up with Caitlin at Dorian Gardens when they had a special open day at the end of... Last year, I think it was. They had um, different forms of football down there and there was a team that had come up from Bunbury to play against a team from Perth. Um, yeah, it was great catching up with people and uh, took my daughter along to State Football Centre for the, I think it was the Para Championships or CP Championships later in the year last year, which is nice. It's nice to just open your mind about things. And I think... Mm. The profile of the Socceroos and the Matildas over the last couple of years has just brought a lot of things up into the space where we're now more aware of them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, not so much we, because I'm sure we all followed them anyway, but yep. the general public yes. is, is more aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wanted to have a chat um, about Sam Kerr and her injury. Yep. And just uh, where you guys think... Um, or how that's going to impact on things. And it, just more than that was that 
I look at this that this is the second injury that I know that Sam's had that's been major. She um, was out for a year with a foot injury when she was in the um, American League and she came back strong. I know she had a tough time with that, but she's come back and been top player. Best player in the world? Yeah. That's what we reckon yeah, anyway, that's right? It, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're not biased. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. She's 30 years of age and playing professional football when there's not many players in the world, you know, outside of the last couple of years that have had the opportunity in female football mm, to play yeah. professional football at the scheduling and timetabling and that it is right now. And I just wondered what your thoughts were on you know, how women's footballers are moving into that space of having to be managed through these things. What do you through, reckon? Through the injuries, you mean? No, I mean through... The scheduling, the yeah. increase, the, the yep. more travel, the yep, more Yep, the loading games. on their bodies, all that kind of thing. Well, one of the things is with the Olympics, um, for the men's, the Olympics is only an under-23 competition uh, with a couple of overage players, whereas for the women's, it's open. an open age. Yep. And, and I've even noticed, speaking with you, Penny, like with regards to the men's Olympics, you know, Australia at that, I'm like, go Australia when it's on, but... If you ask me who won gold at the last men's Olympics, uh, sorry, at the last Olympics for the men's, for the football, honestly, I don't remember. Yeah. Once it's over, I don't care. It's not the World yeah. Cup, doesn't count. Whereas for women, you know, the gold medal at the Olympics is on a par with winning a World Cup. They're, you know, almost two equal tournaments. So do you think maybe the women's will wind up like the men's where they actually scale it back at the Olympics so that it's maybe only an under-23 competition as well? Well... But the reasons for that would be different, right? So I, I look at the Olympics being an under, like a youth competition for the men, yep. as FIFA wanting to keep the World Cup profile as the premier competition But the, in the thing world. is they've realised in the last couple of World Cups, women's World Cups, that there's a lot of potential with women's football that I think in the past, especially when Sepp Blatter was in charge, he couldn't care less about it. Um, now they've realised there's money to be made. Uh, and also because there's more professional leagues, you know, the players are having a, a much heavier schedule than they probably did in the past. So to reduce the load off to of reduce the players the load. that are in that top yeah. space. Yeah. And from, you know, well, that look, would be I'd be lying reason. if I said that was FIFA's number one concern. It's obviously Correct. money is number one yep. concern and yeah. you know, to boost their World Cup. So uh, I, I could might maybe see that a change coming in the next couple of Olympics to say, yeah, no, that's only an under-23s for the women's as well. I think so. If that's the reason to reduce the load, then that's a good reason. <laughs> yeah. um, you're right. I mean, the pro- professionalism for the women has just meant the workload and injuries has just increased um, beyond what I expected. And yep. I, I look at where Kaya Simon sat on the sidelines for the World Cup yes. and she's an awesome player and I haven't really... And I don't don't know why she was taken uh, into into the squad when she sat on the sidelines and didn't get one minute of game time. That that was a tragedy, I reckon. And then where's Sam Kerr going to be during the Olympics? Um, we need to bring players in that can play football. Mm. She can have another role, but um, I don't know what that might be. I think we're pretty unfair. It's only seven or eight months away for to say, oh, Sam, going to play in the Olympics. You know, I think just letting rest and get well, and yep. it's a nine or twelve month injury, and she's. Yeah, I think was it her body just saying she needs a bit of a break because Correct. she's been a lot of travel yes. with the, all the extra stuff that Sam does from a you know like sort of because she's you know the biggest best player in the world and you know playing these games you know in the UK back in Australia that travel you know like it's just yeah I mean, it probably takes a toll on your body. Ellie Carpenter was a great example when um, yep. she had that injury and she worked hard 
and she came back looking pretty much like she was pre-injury, yep. I thought. So she'd done all the right things, um, had the club and whoever else had managed that space really well for her. And it doesn't look like there's been any post-injury problems. You know, sometimes your body's a bit imbalanced and mm. so forth. You've done one knee, you might do the other knee and muscle problems and so forth. But she looks pretty pretty good. Well, the other thing is the Matildas aren't a one-man, if you'll excuse the expression, a one-man yeah. team. one person um, show. One person team, one, yeah. one woman team. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds right saying one man team, no, but but you know what I mean. It's like we we should, although we'd love to have Sam in the team, we should be able to play without her as well. And they demonstrated yep. that at the World oh, Cup God. as well. The first what was it, three or four games there was no Sam, and if you ignore the Nigeria game, they were fantastic. Yeah, and also with you know modern medicine and sort of you know Sam get back and still keep on playing for another three four years, yep. I think at least and. Yeah, like she's playing striker now. Maybe she sort of changes the way she plays a little bit and yep. sort of more as a sort of focal point up front. And yeah, so I think you know she'll come back. She's she's pretty, pretty strong and pretty yep. durable. So yes, uh, but and we wish her all the best, and we do want to her playing because in terms of uh, appreciation and uh, role modelling and entertainment value, she's absolutely up there, hundred yep. percent. And you know we have other players that have. That will step into that space now. Mary Fowler is one of them. Um, Chidiak yep. might be another one. Um, Courtney Vine. Um, the team plays differently when Sam's not in it. It plays awesomely when she's in it. It plays differently and awesomely when she's not in it. And we've got to learn and our coach and in our whole setup has got to learn that you know we have a squad and we've got to manage that workload and the young players that are coming through have got to get those opportunities so that um, when players hop in and out of that space then they get the same level of performance. And I believe the Matildas at the World Cup actually had less player rotation than any other team. So that is a bit of a criticism that It was a huge workload on those players. Yeah. Yeah. I think FIFA Pro, also just the World Players Union, released a report, a study on the uh, Women's World Cup and also the workload, and they released some recommendations with respect to the increased workload for women. So people can check that out on FIFA Pro's website. So... um, yeah, they're doing some really good work in that space, that athlete sort of in the player welfare. Mm, interesting. I think it's really important that we um, have these discussions in appreciation that we like to see players play their best and as much as possible because we can switch on to a channel or a streaming service and we can watch them play. That's what we want, right? We, we want it in our heads. We've now got the profile up there. We want to be able to see them. But we've also got to manage that. And if that means that those players are rostered off for breaks at crucial times, then that's the way that it's got to be. If if there's no space to be made in the calendar, then they've got to make the space for they a have player. Have balance, you know, player welfare and 100%. make sure they're doing what's best for the player. Yep. Um, we are going to go to break in a moment and the next person we'll be having on is Simon Hill, who will be in Doha talking about uh, Asian football, Asian qualifiers, Asian Cup, AFC qualifiers. Yep. Oh AFC Asian Cup. Thank you. That's the one. I knew I was going to get that. <laughs> Pete was going to get that for me. Good one. Uh, we'll have a chat about how the soccer is going. And I think sometimes we talk about the Matildas and the amazing effect they've had on Australian football and world football. But the Socceroos and the Qatar Cup, the year before, yep. in that whole two-year space, has been absolutely incredible on lifting the profile f- for sport. Yeah, on a, honestly, I every now and then have this little 
almost like a moment of surprise when I remember that on the other side of the Women's World Cup, like back, you know, six months before then, the men got out the group stage. They won two games for the first time ever. They took us to Argentina. It was was close. Lionel Scaloni said their toughest game was against Australia. Yeah. In the sort of, you know, round of 16. So they've done very well. Yeah. Right, let's go to break. We'll get Simon on in a few minutes. He's ready to roll. 107.9 FM, your local station. 107.9 FM. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432 745 140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. different as the roads we travel, we come together to stand shoulder to shoulder with strangers, united. Here, we're all equal. We all have our part to play. We're all fans, and this is our game. It's not always pretty, but to us, it will always be beautiful. Welcome back to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. That was an old A-League ad, I think it was from about 2011. Man, that's over 10 years ago. It's hard to believe. There was some actually pretty good promos back in that space. What, what are you giving me that look for, Pete? There's a, there's a YouTube video that actually analyses the history of A-League ads. I can't share it on the Facebook group, <laughs> okay. um, but it's if you don't mind a bit of swearing, it's certainly worth watching. Okay. Good afternoon, or is it good morning, Simon? It's very good morning, 6.30am. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you haven't had your morning coffee and you're angry at us right now, Simon. <laughs> Not yet. I'm sat, I'm sat in bed. It's on my first port of call this morning. <laughs> Appreciate you joining us all the way from Doha. Good man. Mm. You're welcome. Nice to be with you. So you're over there for the AFC qualifiers. How's the weather treating you over there, Simon? No, no. Asian Cup. Asian, Asian Cup. Cup. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you've still Cup got the final. women's footballing on, thing on your mind and you're thinking about Uzbekistan <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> next month. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Asian Cup. How's the weather over there for the Asian Cup, Simon? Uh, the weather is fine. Yeah, it's it's winter time here, so uh, although it's uh, sunny and warm, it's 
it's uh, it's not the oppressive peak that we get in the Gulf uh, during the summer. So the temperatures are around the mid twenties. So it's very pleasant actually, uh, and perfect conditions really for football, uh, particularly when the Socceroos obviously play later today at the Ahmed Bin Ali Stadium. We went and had a look at it yesterday. Um, I've, I've actually been to that stadium a couple of times before because I was here for the World Cup with Socceroos as well. So uh, it's a beautiful stadium. And uh, it'll be packed full tonight. Sadly, not full of Australians, but mm. uh, there'll be 40,000 Indians screaming themselves hoarse because uh, Australia is playing India. And, uh, of course, India has a big migrant population in Qatar. So yep. it'll be jam-packed tonight, but they won't be cheering on Australia. Mm. We were just talking about uh, India and cricket being the number one sport there, but... Um, uh, yeah, football's got a decent following as well. Yeah. Yeah, football's a, a, a huge sport in India. It's, it's probably the number two sport behind cricket, which is obviously way out in front. But uh, you know, the, the Indian Super League that has uh, been around now for the best part of over the, the decades uh, has really sort of galvanised the game in that country. And uh, although they're still a long way short of the Asian elite, uh, they are uh, on the upward curve and uh, you know this uh, this will be awkward tonight for Australia I think they'll win tonight but uh, it'll be awkward you know they're, they're a better side than, than they used to be yeah. Um, so yeah we'll see how it goes but it's important that Australia get off to a winning start with uh, Syria and Uzbekistan to, to come in the group which will be a tougher test for them Simon Robbie Gasper here mate great to chat you too um, just going on the, with the Socceroos, um, will Matty Ryan be playing tonight? Uh, personally, I don't think so. Um, Graham Arnold was uh, quite cagey yesterday and said he was, he was available for selection in, in inverted commas. But uh, <laughs> the fact that Jackson Irvine was alongside him, and, and normally it's the coach and the captain at these pre-game press conferences, uh, and obviously Matty is, the, the captain of this team. So the fact that he wasn't there and Jackson Irvine was uh, suggests to me that he'll probably go with Joe Gauci tonight. And look, I think that's probably a wise decision because, you know, if, if Matty's obviously going to be required to be the number one later on in the tournament and there are going to be tougher games coming up where his experience is required. But again, with respect to India, I don't think they're going to put Australia under an awful lot of pressure tonight. Um, it'd be more of a case of them, you know, trying to hold Australia at bay. So it's it's a good chance to give uh, Joe Gauci his first tournament experience, uh, and also to give Matthew a few extra days to to really, you know, recover from that fractured cheekbone. He's been training uh, with a mask. I'm pretty sure he will play with a mask as well. So how that works for a goalkeeper, where you know your vision obviously is so important. I don't know. Um, but you know, Graham Arnold obviously believes that he's he's uh, he's good to go. Otherwise, he wouldn't be at this tournament. But I, I think tonight they'll they'll go with Joe Gauci. Yeah, I'm a goalkeeper, and I don't know that I'd feel comfortable playing with a mask if I was still injured. I mean, if it's just protection after it's all healed, maybe. But whew, yeah. tough call. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'm the same. You know, I think particularly for. A keeper because an outfield player, all right, it's awkward to play in a mask, but you know you, you've got all, all your teammates around you, and uh, I just think a goalkeeper is 
so specialised, particularly when you're having to keep an, you know your eye on attackers coming in from set piece situations, corners in particular. I would imagine it's awkward, but uh, anyway, they obviously feel that you know he's he's uh, he's okay to play in it. But as I say, I don't think that'll be tonight. So I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Um, I know that you don't always get to travel to do your match commentary. Sometimes you do it from Australia, but you, you're there in Doha. Now, so you're on the ground. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into football yeah. in India, besides the fact that there'll be 40,000 people in a stadium uh, supporting the the match? But uh, how is India set up for football? I would not have a clue about their infrastructure or anything. Well, to be honest, their infrastructure uh, has, has always been a big problem. And you know, it's, it's in many ways like Australia. It's a big country geographically. Mm. Uh, the game didn't have a lot of money historically, and uh, other sports were dominant domestically. Um, in their case, cricket, um, which is obviously you know similar to to our situation. But as I say, in the last ten years, they've they've invested an awful lot of money in in the Indian Super League. Uh, they went down the franchise road, as we did with the A League, and you know obviously they've got a huge population. There's over a billion people in India, so. Uh, you know, finding cities to to uh, play football clubs in is, is not a problem, uh, and they have historically some huge football clubs. Uh, Mohan Bagan, who Jason Cummings and Dimitri Petratos play for, uh, is probably the biggest club in the country. And when they play their derby games against East Bengal. Um, they they get crowds of nearly a hundred thousand. It's, it's extraordinary. So, you know, the the potential is there for the game to be huge in India, but their development system at junior level is pretty scratchy. Um, physically, they don't tend to produce athletes that are um, strong enough uh, to compete at at you know, regional or, or certainly global level. That that is changing gradually over time, um, and you know those development systems are improving. Uh, so ultimately, India will be a force in the world game. There's no doubt about that because they've just got too many people not to be a force. But they've got to get all those uh, other things correct. But they've got they've got a long history in football. I mean, yeah. they first toured Australia in 1937, I think. Um, and they were runners-up at the 1964 Asian Cup, albeit when it was only a, a four-team tournament. So, you know, this is a country that has strong roots with football. Uh, the cities in Kerala, in Goa, and in Bengal in particular are football hotbeds uh, where the game is probably at least on par with cricket. Um, but obviously the rest of the country... Yeah, and and the country generally is more attuned to cricket, but yeah. uh, football is a very strong second and and rising fast. So, if their governing body, which is the All India Football Federation, the AIWF, get things right in terms of development and and that investment keeps coming, yeah, they'll be Asian champions within twenty years. Mm. Uh, I have no doubt about that. We did talk earlier about some of the tournaments that had been held between WA and India in the 70s and 80s. I think the Calcutta Cup, was that Calcutta, one? Yeah, I think you said the Calcutta Cup when the Western Australian State team toured and 
Yep. We talked about that big trophy they had. Yeah, that absolutely. Sort of on display. So yeah, there's a massive history also there between Australia and India, especially WA and India back Correct, in the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some pretty healthy WA men's teams and women's teams travelled over to uh, India in that time. And I'm just trying to think if there was national championships. Yeah, there was actually. There was national championships for the women, open age. I'm not quite sure if they did the same for men during that time. But, you know, there's always been a connect from WA over to there because, you know, same kind of resource amount going from one side of Australia to the other up, up there. So there's been a healthy level of competition through the 70s and 80s. Not so much now with men's teams because of you know national leagues. We've got a few WA boys there right now with with Ryan Williams and also Roston Griffiths playing over there. Roston at Mumbai FC, so he's doing really well. So they won the championship last year and are playing in the AFC Champions League this year as well. So, yep. What's their lure? They pay well, Robbie. <laughs> Go past Roston. So um, yeah, how do you say that? He's really enjoying it. So it's his third season, I think, there, and he's having a really good time. And um, yeah, they played in the Asian Champions League this year. Played against Mitrovic and a few of those boys, like Al Hilal, I think it is. And yeah, so he's actually really enjoying it. So um, yeah, they'll be well prepared because I was actually speaking to Roston this week, and um, I think India have been in camp for the last four weeks, oh, and their coach is Igor Stimats, who played four for the, weeks. Yeah, Croatian national team, and at uh, West Ham, and also at. Uh, Derby County. Wow. There you go. So, go on, Pete. I was just going to say, uh, Simon, with the um, the first match already played of the Cup of, of the Asian Cup with Qatar winning 3-0, there was an Australian connection in the referee was our adoptive uh, referee in, I hope I get this name right, Ali Reza Fagani, who we've all seen in the A-League, was, was refereeing that match. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he refereed it very well, actually. Yeah. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's a good ref, is Ali Reza. He was an all-Australian team. Yeah. Um, and, and today we've got a first, uh, we've got a, a female referee yes. um, from Japan who's going to take charge of the Australia-India game, which is the uh, the first time that that will have happened in, oh, okay. in the Asian Cup finals. So, uh, yeah, he, d- he didn't have a lot to do tonight, to be fair. Uh, last night, Ali Reza, to be fair. Uh, Qatar were fairly comfortable winners in the end. And, and I see we have provided two other referees as well in Sean Evans and Kate Jasowitz. So we have a female referee over there as well. Wow. Yeah, and I think they might even be part of the team. Uh, so Kate Jasowitz might be part of the team tonight. I, I, I'm not 100% certain on that. But, uh, yeah, it's good to see our referees get recognised on the yeah. regional stage as well. You know, it's, uh, it's not just a game for players. Uh, obviously, the refs uh, play a big part in it as well. So... You know, our, our referees tend to be uh, very well respected in nature, and probably more respected than they are at home, to be fair. <laughs> I guess that's the same for most countries. Yeah. Simon, um, what's the atmosphere been like on the ground um, for the tournament so far? We had, the, we had a full stadium last night. Um, are we expecting, you know, like full stadiums or half full stadiums there for the tournament? Well, I mean, some of the games will do. I mean, as, as I say, it'll be full tonight because uh, Indian. Uh, India has a big migrant population in Qatar, and uh, they've they've snapped up all the tickets for for tonight's game. But uh, others probably won't be. Uh, it's look. I was here for the World Cup, and at times it's you know it's not a country that is. <laughs> and I, I, I say this advisedly. It's not a country that's necessarily set up to party. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, alcohol isn't necessarily freely available. Uh, people don't, you know, walk the streets apart from uh, at the Sukh, uh, the Sukh Wakif, which is where a lot of football.
haven't been down there as yet on this trip because uh, we've only been here a couple of days and we've been, we've been busy with work. But uh, yeah, there'll probably be a little bit of buzz down there in the Corniche area, which is sort of the waterfront uh, part of the city. Um, but it's it, it's not like it would be in a European city, but let's put it that way, mm-hmm. um, because it's a different culture. Um, but, you know, on game day and inside the stadiums, there'll, there'll be a buzz. There certainly will be tonight. Um, but it, it's it's just a little bit different. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the culture of the country. It's, it's a lot more conservative than uh, than perhaps we're used to in the West. But, um, yeah, it'll be fun. You know? it's a, the people love their football here, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, the deeper Qatar going to, of course, they're the defending champions. Uh, mm. You know, there'll certainly be a bit of buzz if they get uh, deep into it. So you're an English-speaking fella. When you go there and you're on the ground... What's the main... I hope so. <laughs> what, what, what's the lingo? Is there a large base of English-speaking population so you could you know, have a chat with, with people out there about football? Oh, yeah, look, you know, most, most people... Uh, there's a big expat population, not just Brits, by the way, or Aussies or Americans, but, you know, from all parts of the, of the globe. Uh, I think the local population is only around half a million. Um, the rest of the population is made up of expats uh, who come here to work in the, you know, the gas and oil industries and all the other service sectors to to, to make money, which uh, I'm, you know, I'm told is pretty much tax-free. Uh, so it's it's a magnet for those sorts of people. Uh, obviously, during a major tournament, you know, you're. I mean, I'm working here not just for Network Ten and Paramount Plus, but but also for uh, the world feed. So we're, you know, Andy Harper and I are calling a lot of different games, and okay. the language lingua franca here is, uh, you know, with the people that we are working with is English. So um, obviously the local language is Arabic. I, I don't speak that, unfortunately, but um, uh, we don't need it for this particular tournament. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's easy enough to get by, and, and most people in the shops and restaurants, they... They will speak English as well. Mm. Simon, thanks so much for joining us and getting up uh, early or not getting up as the case is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Enjoy yourself. I'm going to go get some breakfast now. Yeah, good one. Have a coffee for us. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Simon. Appreciate it. And uh, go yeah. Socceroos. Pleasure. Cheers, guys. See ya. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. That was Simon Hill, Paramount Plus and Channel 10. Match commentating, getting out and about. I remember a couple of times he said that he doesn't, and I haven't realised it that he's commentated games, but he's been here in Australia and the feeds yeah, just yeah. go go through. So it must be must uh, be nice to actually get the trip. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I mean, you, you, you know, you obviously you go there and you're not just there for a game. You, there's a set of games. So in between, you're walking in the community and you're you're having a look at you know, how the football infrastructure might be and um, you know, question about the community and is there banners in the streets of people wearing shirts? You mm-hmm. know, that, that kind of thing. That's kind of like a World Cup. You just want to absorb it and find out you know how another country you know, lives in an international football tournament. The excitement of it, right? Yeah, exactly. You embrace mm. it and, you know, sort of get, you get, to get a real feel when you're actually commentating what's going on. You yeah. Know, you can sort of talk about little different stories. A- absolutely. And what you're experiencing and... Yeah, it adds into the conversation. That's, uh, yeah, that's one of the things what I like about, is it Martin Tyler? Man, he's one of the oh, best commentators in the world. He just yeah. adds all these great things in because he's yeah. been doing it for so damn long and commentating in so many different places. It's awesome.
Mm. And Simon, big uh, Manchester City fans, they'd be upset yeah. that they've got Tottenham now in the FA Cup in the next round. So I've got to ask him about that. So he's a That's right. huge Man City fan. Yes, I think most is. of Australia will obviously be going <laughs> for it. Yeah. yeah, I think he disappears at some point after the A-League finishes and then lands over there. I think there's a time that he's not available because yep. he's gone back to England. Because he's gone home. Yeah. Because he wants a break. Yeah, yeah, something like that. A break from football, so he'll go back to watch. And watch more men. football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, did you guys see that little clip during the week where, I think someone posted it on our page actually, where the goalkeeper dropped the ball after someone barged him? Yes, Hugh posted Hugh, that. Hugh, Good on you, Hugh. By the way, Hugh is listening in. Yeah, hi, Hugh. How are you going? Thanks for listening in from wherever you are. He must be up north somewhere driving his trucks. So. <laughs> having a break at the moment or whatever it is. Yeah. So someone posted that. It was very interesting. It was like, how did the referee allow the goal when the goalkeeper had the ball in his hands, player came up, pushed him, he dropped the ball, player scored, and the referee allowed it? Or did did Played I miss whistle. something? Did Played he revoke Did he revoke <laughs> it afterwards? No. Well, so this was um, Barnsley against Wycombe. Wickham. Sorry, I don't speak English towns very well. Um, but, yeah, it caused a debate because, I don't know, I sort of thought you play the whistle and if, if you're the keeper and someone... I mean, when you say barged into him, someone lightly brushed against him and he drops the ball. No, he um, had... Calling. Did you not see the clip? He got two hands and he pushed the player. He pushed the goalkeeper. Oh, I'm glad glad my laptop's on silent now because it's playing right now to see what I do. <laughs> I'm going to just revise that now. And you're a goalkeeper. <laughs> yes, I'm a goalkeeper. Goalkeeper's union warrior, so... But, yes, you're, you're right. You play to... The whistle. Yep. However, the player would be go. The goalkeeper would be going. He's just pushed me blatantly, and I've dropped the ball because he's pushed me and knocked me to the ground. All right, I've just watched it now. Hey. So, um, I don't think it was like a, a bargy. Like the player the was trying to stop. Goalkeeper and he, played it up too, didn't he? Yeah, but well, that's what I'm getting yeah. at. Goalkeeper played it up. Maybe he could have fallen to the ground and hung onto the ball. Might have made a difference. Correct. You know, that, yeah. Yes. But um, I mean, ultimately, you you play the whistle. You VAR. you don't you don't literally <laughs> drop the ball and just hope the whistle goes. No, awful you, ball you, handling by the goalkeeper at yeah, that point. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Before we enter, we want to just run over the A League men yes, and women. Do it. So uh, it is the Unite round this round. So all the games, even though it might be listed as a home game for the glory, the games are all in Sydney. Um, I I kind of like the idea of this Unite round at least compared to the idea of having the grand final in Sydney. This is certainly a better alternative. Uh, so yesterday, Melbourne in the women's, Melbourne victory had a one-all draw against Perth Glory. Uh, and I saw that the goal for the Glory was uh, accredited as an own goal to uh, Jamelia Rankin, which was a bit of a pity because it really looked like Hannah Lowry had scored direct from the corner. But they have put it down as an own goal, unfortunately. Damn. Yeah, that's a pity. Uh, also, Western, uh, sorry, Wellington Phoenix went down 2-1 to Central Coast Mariners. So Wellington Phoenix, although you've talked them up as being in the top four, they did go down to Central Coast. Uh, and then coming up this weekend, Canberra United against Adelaide United, Brisbane Roar against Newcastle Jets, Western United against Sydney FC, and Western Sydney Wanderers against Melbourne City. Melbourne City sitting five points clear of the glory, top of the table. Uh, over there in the women uh, and over in the men so yesterday we had a three-all draw a belter of a game between MacArthur and Western United Ulysses uh, de Villa scored a hat-trick uh, in that one for MacArthur uh, Melbourne City actually went down to Western Sydney Wanderers so 
There bit you of go. Controversy bit of stumble at the, the top there of the table. The end. Sorry? A bit of controversy there at the end with a handball. I didn't see it. I yeah, like a corner last couple of minutes and yep. VAR ruled it out that it wasn't a handball. So, okay. Yeah, so, I'm going to have um, to go back and watch the highlights for that yeah, one. It's a bit of controversy there. So it was a good win for yeah. Western Sydney. Yeah, yeah so, hey, anything that, not, that gets a loss for Melbourne City is a good thing for me. <laughs> uh, and then coming up today, uh, Central Coast against Melbourne Victory. Adelaide United against Sydney FC, Brisbane Roar against Newcastle Jets, and then tomorrow, Perth Glory against Wellington. So again, just to stress, it is listed as a home game for the Glory, but it's a home game in Sydney. Uh, and yeah, that's that's the end of the uh, upcoming round there. So on the men's table, Melbourne Victory is still top of the table with uh, undefeated, in fact, uh, 23 points. Western Sydney Wanderers second, Wellington Phoenix third, only by goal difference because they have the same number of points and the same number of wins. Uh, and down at the bottom end of the table, Glory still just dodging last place. Uh, one point clear of Western United, who are sitting last. Here we go. Yep. Shaking my head. Just Why? shaking my head. Why? Oh, just Perth Glory men. No. I just I think of all the money that's been invested in their academy set up and all the players they've got there, and I'd just like to see a different outcome there. It, it's it's frustrating because the games, like the last two home games, have been absolute crackers. Um, the MacArthur game where we were down 2-0 at half-time, and I'm like, oh, here we go, uh, and then came back to win it, you know, with a with a goal, in ex, uh, not in extra time, in injury time, uh, David Williams. That was fantastic. Shed was going off. Um, and then the same thing against Melbourne Victory. It was two all very close to the end and I was like, you know, we were obviously defending heavily and I, I said to my uh, buddy, that's all right, we're going to hit hit them on the counter-attack and we'll get a win just like we did against MacArthur. Unfortunately, I jinxed it with that comment and... Playing with 10 men for 45 minutes and... Um, but you have a look at sort of Melbourne Victory last year. They're, oh, were they last last they year? Were, they were, yeah, last year. Yeah, the now they're sitting top of the table so yeah. um, you just got to keep on thinking positive and hopefully they can turn things around. So yeah. what turned them around? A good coach, lots of money... Well, it was players. the same coach. Same coach. So, so I mean, I was yeah. really happy last year when they were made up of glory rejects uh, <laughs> and they were bottom of the table. I'm not so happy this year when they're made up of glory rejects and top of the table. <laughs> Yeah, well, Stadge is a pretty decent coach. Yeah, give him think, time. Yeah, give him and and yeah, he hasn't had uh, any control really over the squad as well, like the players in the yeah. squad. So um, yeah, I'd certainly like to give him time and new owners so that he can get the players he wants and then see how we go. Yeah. 100%. So although although we're second from the bottom uh, at the moment, I'm not making the evil eye at Stadge or anything. No. Yet. So how many games left in the season? Uh, any, like, it's 26 season, so we're 26 in the season, so not quite halfway yet. Yeah, yeah. Got Got a bit of a run, move. you know. Yeah, sneak into the yeah. top six, and yeah, that's it, Robbie. Sneak into the top six. <laughs> Do better than we did last yeah. season, and I'll be happy. I'd actually be really, it'd be really nice to have both the men's and the women's finish in the finals for the season. That'd yeah. be nice. Imagine so the finals a... double header. Yeah, that wouldn't that be that, awesome? Yeah. Stage's so got a bit of work to do, but it's possible. It's absolutely possible. Come on, Glory. <laughs> Come on. Guys, thanks so much for being with us and chatting football today. Super awesome. Cool. Nice relaxed show back for the year. That was good. First one back. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Thank you to our partners, Futsal WA and Gate and Fence Hardware, com. Good one. And next week, Sean will be hosting, talking another two hours of football. We've got Len and Bags Groove with his jazz show up next. And we'll leave you with an absolutely burster of a hot date. This has been the World Football Program. Penn, Pete and Robbie Gasper in the studio. Catch you all next week.
You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoe, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. Don't wait for love. Dedicate yourself and you go find yourself.